And welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rubric Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Papa New, to PapaNew.com in Omaha, Nebraska, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjurman Ali of TheConjurman.com in Dishon, Viejo, California. The Association of Indigenous Reader Workers, William Stick Everett of William Stick Everett in Las Vegas, Nevada, bringing us today's topic on brain in forest. After first day, we'll take your open offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love and spiritual protection using traditional African American folk magic practices, voodoo, conjure, or root work. As the plan to prescribe the greatest hoodooists of our time, you can learn a lot just by listening. But if you're selected to sign up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and call the free consultation. To the phone in just a moment, but first, let's get with our co hosts, Ms. Cat and Conjurman Ali. Cat? Hi, Papa Newt. Boy, you're breaking up a little bit, and I know why. It's because you're on the road. And you're you're doing your best to check in through some technological weirdness. But thank you. <laughs> um, so uh, I I heard you were at a at a fair there, a psychic mystic fair in Omaha. Yeah, it's the next millennium's uh, mystic fair they put on every every uh, now two times a year. Uh, this is our first spring one in ten years, and we'll have our usual one in the fall in October. Right at the end of the oh, how, oh, wonderful. That's that's really great. Glad to know things are hopping and popping in Omaha. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I'm uh, uh, just going to give a little quick intro on what's going on around here. You know, I always talk about the shop and what we're doing. Well, we have experienced um, the result of something we don't understand, but we could call it Uranus in Taurus, which is the subject of our show. Um, I'm a I'm a Taurus, and I'm a very solid, cautious, careful businesswoman. I just put one foot in front of the other. We hire people. They make oils. Everything is handmade, a very Taurian thing. I'm out there making the oils. I'm not an executive. I am actually a worker as well. You know, we have a little garden, we grow our own plants, we dry them. Okay, that's the Taurus part. Suddenly, and I mean suddenly, and I've mentioned this a little bit, but it's all of a sudden it has gone um, like a like a Tesla rocket to Mars. Suddenly, every, <laughs> suddenly every company in China, China, mainland China, is buying our products in humongous wholesale quantities. Oh, how exciting. That is so good. Is it is it exciting or is it scary, Ollie? Why do you think it's exciting? <laughs> well, we're having trouble filling our orders for our regular folks. Um and um and it's a it's just been um really very odd. We're hiring new people because of the thing. It's a, actually a very interesting idea that the Chinese people have suddenly discovered 
American folk magic, and in particular, hoodoo. And we're very excited to serve them. At first, we thought it was a fluke. We had one of them, two of them. But now there's so many of them, we've we've decided there must be something going on in China that all of a sudden, just like back in the 90s when I said, oh, I'm going to carry um, you know, Mexican amulets, they suddenly went, hey, hoodoo, oils. <laughs> it's really it's really interesting, but we're working very hard. We're having a wonderful time wondering what's going on in China. Why do, why are they doing this? But that is it's lovely. And the weather is great and cooperating. You know, we're cutting clover to put in all of their little oils, and we're cutting, you know, um, picking rose petals, and, and we're doing all of those wonderful little Torian things we do to supply this strange worldwide demand. So that's the news from us. It's 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 unexpected, but actually very gratifying. And we're we're quite happy. And as I said, um, look for announcements about new employees soon because we don't make a lot of money on wholesale. We sell it at you know, a, a wholesale price. But we do find it fun and interesting to think about where our stuff is going. So if you happen to be anywhere in Singapore, Shanghai, Hong Kong, or Beijing, you can buy Lucky Mojo products now. Oh. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> that is so fascinating. You know the the well, you mentioned you know these these wholesale orders in China, and I just couldn't help but to think of, of the fact that the movie industry is fundamentally supported by the Chinese market. The movies that the, uh, I mean Hollywood hasn't actually been doing particularly well, with the exception of some movies in in the two thousands, mostly because people can stream and bootleg and do all sorts of different things nowadays. But it is the Chinese market that has actually kept Hollywood afloat for like the good past like 20 years or so. So breaking into the Chinese market is wow. kind of exciting. My ears just kind of perked up. I went, oh, interesting. Well, <laughs> I, have a expanding. I, I have a little comment here for Reverend Dr. Sweets. He says, dig deeper to see why, if possible, they may reverse engineer your product and start selling an inferior knockoff. Honey, it wouldn't be worth it. But also, um, <laughs> that we know that we know that's not true because with Google Earth we can see them. I mean, there and it's not just one place; it's dozens of these Chinese small Chinese companies, dozens of them. They're all around. They're in, in, in um, Guangdong Province. They're in Pei, Peiping or Beijing, whatever you want to call it. I mean, they're everywhere. It's it's um, actually fantastic. But um, but thanks for thinking of the paranoid view of it. But no, actually, it's doing pretty darn good. <laughs> that is exciting, I gotta say. Just for a for as a, a practical tourist, I'm going. Yes, that's a good that's a good move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, how are things going in your world, Ollie? Things are are going great. Uh, I've been quite busy. Uh, I, I mentioned that this month I've been. Uh, doing lots of cleaning work and uh, trying to clean up the altars and in particular uh, cleaning up the bookshelves and putting away books. I'm happy to report that after several weeks or a couple weeks of working at it, um, most of the books that were randomly in piles uh, around my bed and and around my altars and in my living room have have made it back to their homes on on bookshelves. Um, So that's good news. And also in... in, uh, uh, book news. I was just working with a, a client, um, I would say, four days ago, five days ago, and they could not stop talking about how much they enjoyed 
how much they uh, are enjoying Paper in My Shoe, uh, your book uh, from oh. last year, if I remember, if I remember correctly. Um, and they were talking about how they purchased it just to learn how to write petition papers because they didn't understand petition papers. Mm-hmm. It was very new to them. Mm-hmm. This was a woman. This was a woman who's got a suburban mom, right? And so the concept mm-hmm. of, a, of a petition paper was completely new to her. She didn't understand what it meant to write a petition, right? She's like, is it a, mm-hmm. a letter? Is it, is it my intent? Like, what it, so she didn't get that. So she thought she'd pick up the book and it would be like a great intro to her. And she couldn't, like, it blew her mind that there was so much you could do with paper, more than just writing petition papers. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, was, it, was, it was one of those moments where I'm like, yes, this is why the book is fantastic. And we had a... Had an interesting, good thirty-minute conversation just talking about how great that book really is. Well, thank you, thank you very much for that. Um, my newest book, um, "The Art of Making Mojos," is just out and is also selling it, uh, very, very well at Amazon and also, of course, through our own shop. And um, I've I've gotten some great feedback about it. Um, oh wow! It's, it's a yeah. It's a book that I was very happy to do. It's part of my what I call my structural methodological series. You know, petition mm-hmm. papers, mm-hmm. candle magic, mojos. I tend to yeah. write about um, methods, and um, so I'm very happy to see that out. I'm very happy to see that people are buying it. But paper in my shoe um, remains our second best-selling book after my book, um, Who to Urban Root Magic which is another methodological book. But and I, it was a surprise to me. I never thought Paper in My Shoe would be a hit. I thought it was like some little obscure thing that people would go, what's she talking about? But it I'm really telling you, is, people are interested. Yeah, yeah it's our second best-selling book, which is nice for me oh, to know. Wow. And that's out of 25, um, out of 25 uh, 30 titles we've published so far. That's fantastic. So, all right. Well, um, let's, let's uh, uh, talk about what we're going to talk about, Okay. We have with us today as our guest, William Stickevers, and I'm going to just um, give a little bit of a, a, a little promotion here for William. William Stickevers is one of the best astrologers I've ever known. Now, you hold silent, William, and just let me talk about you, because I know you're probably going, but... But but he really is a a dynamic astrologer, and I speak as a person who's been an astrologer for many, 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 many years, more than 50 years at this point. And um, and when I have um, somebody who needs astrological work done of a certain type, I always recommend William. There are a couple of other astrologers I like, um, Contramanali. And um, uh, Deacon Millett and Professor Ames are all really good astrologers that I know. But William specializes in one area which is unusual, and that is how to change your circumstances through um, prediction on a global scale and um, Mm. prediction on a lifetime scale rather than just like doing your, you know, here's your chart and this is who you are, or maybe here's another person's chart and we'll compare them. William works with much larger and slower planet astrological forces. And he is particularly interested in the movement of financial markets, political movements and trends and um, geophysical trends such as, you know, earth upheavals and things like that. So um, right now, and I mean right now, we are in the midst of the 
entrance of the planet Uranus into the sign Taurus. And I have prepared a page for people to look at. Um, and um, it is, you can find it, I'm going to read it out, but you can just find it by, by clicking in the links here. It is, um, it is at tearoom.com. That's all one word, M-Y-S-T-I-C-T-E-A-R-O-O-M, mystictearoom.com forward slash wiki, W-I-K-I, forward slash Uranus in Taurus. And Uranus is capitalized and Taurus is capitalized. I've posted it at our um, um, Facebook page and I've posted it in the chat room and it will be posted in the forum log for this show. You you ought to go check it out. And what this is is some research on the history of Uranus and Taurus, and we'll be talking about that with William. William has also sent along a URL that he has prepared on um, Uranus and Taurus Global Banking Crisis 2018 to 2026. So, uh, by the way, he and I are walking down the same path. Um, And uh, Uranus and Taurus is really going to be a trial for some of us. And uh, I mean, it's Mm -hmm. just a nasty, nasty, nasty thing. So we're going to talk about that. But that URL is so long. Um, I hope that it gets posted at the Facebook page. It will be posted posted at the forum. Check these pages out because as we talk, um, we are going to be bringing in information. Your astrology is pretty complicated, and so we're going to be bringing in information. Okay, now, having said all of that, set you up, you've got these two pages. Open up two little browsers and check them out. Hello, William, and welcome to the show. Hello, Kat. Hello, Papa News. Hello, Kanjiman Ali, and to the listeners. Um, I'm really happy to be here and really excited to talk about this major, major G, um, out-of-planetary transition we're now going to be under for the next seven years. Yeah. Well, how about um, you start with um, telling us some of what you see. Well, really what I see is the fact that every time Uranus has moved into the sign of Taurus, so we go back over the past 200 years, we see tremendous shocks, changes, unforeseen changes, and revolution to the entire financial structure or banking system that was operational during those periods. Um, Because Taurus rules traditionally banks, private institutions, public financial institutions, it rules bonds, it rules cash, it rules coins, it's connected with copper, right? Copper is Mm -hmm. very much uh, traditionally, and copper is very important. A lot of people look at gold, they look at silver, but uh, copper is the base metal that is reputed by um, forecasters to have really a PhD in economics because its ability to predict turning points in money, in finance, and in the global economy. So when copper is moving up in price, that means the economy is good, people are spending money. When copper starts moving down, that means the economy is slowing down, people are holding on mm-hmm. to money, and it's deflationary. So we look at copper when we're doing forecasting, when astrologers are doing forecasting, we take the horoscope of copper, we look at copper on the markets, and it's the best indicator forward uh, pre-indicator of where the economy is going. 
And Taurus traditionally also rules venture capital and finances. And this is very important for many people who live in Northern California, where a majority of the industries are unicorn companies which need capital financing or venture capital from Wall Street to remain operational. The largest of them happens to be Uber, right? So Mm -hmm. you can see that if we have a liquidity crisis, which is almost a given during a seven-year period when Uranus goes into Taurus, you could see those companies, over 500 companies in Northern California, go under very quickly. It also rules um, circulation of currency. It rules. Um, mm-hmm. It also is very much connected with jewelry as a possession. It can. It's very much connected with wallets and where mm-hmm. we store things value, things that gain in value as we possess and store them. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very much connected with precious stones. It's very much connected to revenue and what we call profit, how we reach. And the most important thing, I believe, which is really going to change, game change, is what we determine as valuation. What is the true price of something? That's going to be dramatically changed and reset. What we think is uh, generally what we have now is going to go down in value, and what we want or need is going to go up in value. So it's going to be both a deflationary and inflationary experience for many people out there. Um, I'll talk a little bit further about it if you want uh, in terms of the can historical aspect of it. Sure. Can I, can I just break in for just a second? What, what sure. you said is very interesting, and I would also add that another thing that Taurus is associated with is art as a commodity. And um, yeah. rather than art, you know, art for art's sake, that's more mm-hmm. Libra. But, you know, art as a commodity and speculation in art is something that you often see when Taurus is put into play. Go ahead. I just wanted to throw that in. Yeah. And I totally agree. Commercial art, uh, artists, and art as, a, art as a possession of value that will increase in value over time. We do see mm-hmm. people purchasing art for speculation dramatically increase. We saw that certainly in the 30s. But if we go back to the last time Uranus was in Taurus, we had massive bank failures across the nation that required powerful government intervention. In fact, the National Banking Act of 1935 was signed into law shortly after Uranus went into Taurus. This was followed by the Social Security Act and a number of other acts. Um, But even if we go back further than that to the last time Uranus was in Taurus was the Panic of 1857. And the Panic of 1857 was was caused essentially by a declining international economy. Sounds familiar? With loaded with too much mm-hmm. debt, and an over expansion of the money supply, injection of money into the domestic economy. And the problem, what made it so um, intense, right? When the crisis began unexpectedly, like Uranus, and had mm-hmm. really to do with the fact that all the banks were interlinked with each other, which was the first time that that began to happen. So it wasn't like the American banks and the British banks were two separate entities. They were very much tied in together. And that's why it was really the first world uh, banking panic that spread Mm -hmm. uh, throughout all different industries. So many prosperous banks, merchants, farmers had the opportunity to take risk with Right, just prior to the panic, and then prices began to fall, right, and it mm-hmm. began to experience the effects of the financial panic. Well, I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna uh, throw in a little some ideas here 
I have two. Um, from uh, 1934 uh, uh, to 1942, the last Uranus and Taurus, we saw a mass redistribution of wealth in an extremely unpleasant way as um, people were basically targeted and stripped of their wealth and eventually of their lives. And um, there were a tremendous number of invasions of national Mm -hmm. borders and incursions where there were not invasions, attacks, sieges, and so forth, in an attempt to control land. And the result was the destruction of farms and land and um, a lot of a wasting of natural resources. And ultimately, I mean, it, you know, World War II is kind of, you know, basically where we're talking about here, and the Spanish uh, Civil War, so much, you know, the Sino-Japanese War. I mean, it just went on and on and on. And uh, the re- mass relocation of people and their land being taken from them was a huge part of the last Uranus and Taurus. The Uranus mm-hmm. and Taurus prior to that, which was in 1850 to 1859, was the same thing, but on a smaller scale. There were fewer people. And the major targets, as far as the U.S. is concerned, and this is what we really know a lot about, there were all of these native nations um, in California, Oregon, and Washington, all of them were conquered and dispossessed um, in 1855. And this included the Yakima, the Tillamook, uh, the Nisqually, the Klickitat, the Seminoles in back east, the Sioux, the Tlingit in the west coast, the Haida. These people were just, their land was just, whoops, we're taking it. And why? Because 1849, gold had been discovered in California, and by 1850, people were moving out en masse, and when they couldn't find gold, they wanted farms. And that was the last Uranus and Taurus, and it was a disaster for the native people. Their entire way of life was destroyed. There were other Mm -hmm. similar um, problems in other nations, including the Crimean War and uh, and a few other, like the the Nepalese-Tibetan War. All of these were... Uh, fights for um, resources. But the last one, this one in the 1850-1859, a lot of it was about um, gold and um, land. In the in the one from 1934 to 1942, oil was discovered in Saudi Arabia, right in the middle of that whole thing. And that set the stage for more Uranian technological misuse of natural resources, the misuse of oil and petroleum, because Uranus and Taurus doesn't just um, have technological advances. It does so by exploiting and destroying land. And if you've Mm -hmm. ever seen hydraulic mining in California that just tore the sides off of mountains, that's Uranus and Taurus. Okay, that was my little statement. How about you, Ollie? Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the things that's often overlooked in in Uranus and Taurus is the impact of the land. Um, Very clearly so. I think in medieval astrology in particular, not medieval, but post-medieval, I would say, uh, astrology, right before the rise of kind of uh, psychological astrology, we find a lot of kind of predictions of of the land associated with uh, Uranus and Taurus. So the idea of earthquakes and volcanoes, which we've just had, in fact, I think, Oh, yeah. Four days before, <laughs> right. four days before um, May 15th and, and Uranus and Taurus, you had a volcano in Indonesia erupt, in addition to the volcano in May 3rd in Hawaii. And then just this week, um, on uh, Thursday, if I'm not mistaken, Thursday or Friday, it had another massive eruption in uh, um, Hawaii, and there was this first injury that just happened this week. And we're look, talking about red alert type 
volcano uh, eruptions, in addition to May having a spike in earthquake activity um, that I think we in, in Northern Cal- in some in California can attest to. Um, smaller yeah. earthquakes, not big ones, but we've all felt it during the month of May. Um, additionally, uh, uh, Uranus and Taurus brings about a lot of class action lawsuits against corporations in particular. Um, it's an upheaval and kind of corp- the kind of corporate structure is, is something that we'll see. Um, but also, let's not forget something that is happening very obviously and right in front of our faces. Net, the debate over net neutrality is happening, right? The debate mm-hmm. over net neutrality is happening. And oh, the yeah. Vote is, they just had their vote this past week, and they're pushing for, for the House vote next week. And this is, and I know a lot of people would think of the Internet as ruled by Gemini, certainly so, but the planet that really is associated with the Internet is, is Uranus. Um, and so That's right. uh, we're seeing that debate happen right before our eyes. We may very well see either uh, the saving uh, of net neutrality, but more than likely the, the, the destruction of kind of the free Internet as we come to know it, or at least the restructuring of the free Internet as we've come to know it. Um, but see, again, this next... is appropriation. It's always yeah. when Uranus goes in Taurus, you just see this massive ripoffs from centralized yeah. fascistic authority. I'm sorry, I'm yeah. just being a left wing here, but you know what I mean? No, it's I mean, true. You know, you no, no, you Tlingit Indians can't have salmon anymore. We're just yeah. taking your land, you know. And yeah. and you can't have net neutrality in small businesses on the Internet because we're taking over. Now, there always is a pushback, and I'd like William to talk about this, particularly the rise of cryptocurrencies. Could you could you kind of dip into that a little bit? Yeah, so what we've seen just recently is that Bloomberg has now a trading desk and an index fund for cryptocurrencies. Banks are adding crypto trading to their resumes. There is a crypto revolution going on on Wall Street. Um, Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs is opening their trading desk as of next week. So crypto is going mainstream. People will be able to purchase crypto directly through Wall Street. Uh, The the Bitcoin exchanges or the crypto exchanges are now surpassing or at the point of surpassing the market capitalization of Wall Street at this point at the rate of growth that is occurring. So there is a revolution in finance and the way we understand money, use money, is going to dramatically change in seven years to the part to the point where fiat currency, the fiat currency fractional reserve central banking model will begin to collapse. It already has begun. But, but certainly by the time we have Uranus exit Taurus during the Saturn-Neptune um, Saturn conjunction at Zero Aries in 2026, we will see a complete revolution in the central banking model and a major, major wealth transfer from fiat to cryptocurrencies. That is my prediction. I, I, I am with you on this, and I'm not a big fan of cryptocurrency, by the way. But let's just, for, for those listeners, and I know we have thousands of listeners over the years, you know, whatever we have listening now, people will come into this show and play it in the archives, and they'll go, what are they talking about, fiat currency? And they won't know what we're talking about. So let's just talk for a minute about what is fiat currency. So um, currency can have various values. One, and here I am, I'm sorry, I'm such a Taurus. <laughs> uh, currency can have a value based on the commodity value. Um, uh and that is like, for instance, if it's a copper coin, it's the value of copper, the commodity value of copper. That's its commodity value. Then there's something uh, called seniorage, 
um, or the markup that the government makes. They say, I guarantee this copper coin will weigh this much, and I back it up with other, you know, with my stability and all, and here you go. It weighs the right amount, and it is really pure copper. And so they had a little markup. So now the coin is worth more than the commodity value because it's been stamped and pressed by an official mint. And then there is fiat currency, and that's what William was talking about. Fiat means I make it so, and that is currency because you say it is so. I could pick up my mouse, Mm -hmm. cut it loose from my mouse cord and say, this mouse is worth $560, and all mice are worth $560 because I say so, and I could go around cutting mice loose from people's um, computers, and I would just say, okay, I've got the most mice in America, and I they're all worth $560 each, and by the way, I'm going to speculate them, and they're going to be worth more. That's fiat currency. There is The value of this thing is arbitrary. It is declared by me if I were the despot. Now, here we have the Federal Reserve as the despot in the United States, but there's there are there are um banking systems, interlocking banking systems all around the world which prop up and I use the word prop up very judiciously. They hold up um wavering paper currency that would flop over. It isn't doesn't have any commodity value. It's just a bunch of chewed up trees, you know. But they say this is going to be valuable, and that's what he's talking about. That's what William is saying when he says we are going to move from fiat currency. Because fiat currency, as it became more and more popular, especially during the 19th century and the 20th century, it began to have these panics and collapses. And the confidence would go up and go down, and it would be used in speculative instruments like mortgages. And it would just it, – it has – there's nothing you can run to. The old – um idea was you could run to gold. Gold would always have value. Uh-uh. Gold isn't always going to have value. And in what William is predicting, and I agree, that as we go through Uranus and Taurus, the things of the earth, the gold, the copper, the silver, will lose value or be so um, appropriated speculatively that as to become unpredictable in value. We can always go down to cantaloupe melons and, um, you know, asparagus. I mean, you know, true value, but that's going to be, you know, that there's another thing about Uranus and Taurus. We often see food shortages because of um, rape and pillage of the land. And so cryptocurrency, which is totally Uranian, it's totally electronic, will, if we come through this thing alive, we will come into it with Uranus in Gemini, the mental sign, and we will be fully a cryptocurrency currency nation. Am I right or am I right, William? You're totally correct on that. I just want to bring out that the average life expectancy of fiat currencies going back to around 1694 is 29.7 years. Oh, boy. So around the time of turn, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So um, we are overdue. Since 1971, when Nixon took us off the gold standard, we became a pure fiat model, and the U.S. Mm-hmm. model is the world's first currency. So a week, that's well over 30 years. We are well overdue for some major financial reset, and I believe crypto, with Uranus and Taurus now, is going to be part of that financial reset. Yeah, and it's going to be painful until we hit Uranus and Gemini, at which point it will become second nature to us. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I this just want to mention one a... quick thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, you you both mentioned about farming, and traditionally speaking, wheat fields fall under the rulership of Taurus. And we did mm-hmm. see wheat field crop failures happen in the 30s and the 1850s, right, which caused all major demographic shifts and created resource wars, as you mentioned. So I just wanted to bring that 
add that in. And I just I just have to burst into song, and maybe Nagashiva will join me on the fourteenth day of April in nineteen thirty five. There came the worst of dust storms that ever filled the sky. That's a song by Woody Guthrie. And yeah. um, the dust storms of, of the 30s, and especially of 1935, totally wiped out the entire breadbasket of America and set the whole Tom Joad experience into being and the um, the Dust Bowl migrants, the people from Oklahoma and Arkansas and, and so forth, um, Colorado even, had to move to the West. It was tragic, it was horrifying, and it totally destroyed small farming in America forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not real happy about Uranus and Taurus, folks. <laughs> you can see. Um, it's one of those It's one of those things um, that, you know, you just look at it and you go, that's just a, a, a rolling wave of disaster that's going to come down upon people. It is, uh, speaking astrologically, technically, Uranus, um, well, first of all, all planets have certain signs that they're at home with and happy in and certain signs yeah. they're not. You can think of them as hotel rooms that they like and hotel rooms they find awful. And um, Uranus in Taurus... Yeah, Uranus. Well, you know, I got that idea from the mansions of the moon. I just thought of the hotel rooms of the planet. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the the hotel room Taurus, when Uranus, it's called its fall. F A L L. It is yeah. the disaster hotel room for Uranus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt, an upheaval, up, things that just don't make you feel comfortable. And, and Taurus is all about comfort, right? So it is. Mm-hmm. It is a period of of stress and strain, particularly dealing with any type of financial stuff. It's also the time period of, of massive kind of, uh, you know, issues with wealth inequality, wealth transfers that don't happen in a happy way, but in a sort of disastrous way that lead to all sorts of exploitation. Corruption is another common feature um, that, that runs its course during this time. As Uranus is, is uh, in Taurus, um, you know, one of the kind of major breaking events that has been happening is the shift in the uh, investigation that's been going on into Donald Trump for over a year. For a year, mm-hmm. you know, there's been an investigation, and it's been mostly a political investigation, quote-unquote collusion, right? What happened there? And it isn't mm-hmm. until literally Uranus goes into, into Taurus, right? May 15th happens. Next, what is it, two days right after it? Uh, breaking news that it's now investigation into financial crimes, specifically that there was a transfer of millions of dollars from the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia to the Trump campaign. Right. I, I, right. Right there. <laughs> right there. And this is and this is where it gets really hairy, and um, yeah. this is going to have fallout um, uh, all over. I mean, this this is the kind of thing. One of the things I noticed in researching the previous um, Uranus and Taurus events was that there were an awful lot of secret pacts being made, which were then revealed rather yes. rapidly. In other words, they didn't stay secret for hundreds of years, and um, there were a secret 
financial collusions uh, back yeah. then too. Now, of course, these things go mm-hmm. on all the time. But I would say that with Uranus and Taurus, there are um, this this theme, and I'm going to use it again. This theme of appropriation is very important to follow because public lands. Um, Trump is trying to make these public lands um, open to exploitation. Um, that mm-hmm. is. Uh, another example of Uranus and Taurus, just the way that the United States government tried to take over the cooperatively shared lands of the Northwest Coast Indians in 1855. So they are now just basically replaying, you know, just rewind, do it again. And they're taking away our public lands. Well, <laughs> it's a, it's quite a, a bunch of, of nightmare. Now, We've just basically set the scene, and now we come to a little juncture here. We got about two more. Well, we got about two more minutes to talk about this, or we well, can like, go on and. Oh, and I'd like to to say, or we can go on and talk about how do people prepare for this? Because we've just brought our entire listenership to the brink of a giant precipice with volcanic magma exploding, <laughs> and you know what I mean. And we're going, wow. And now they're going to go, I'm not sure I want to listen to this show. It's scary, Mommy. Um, <laughs> it is. It is scary, Mommy. And uh, so I would like to propose that we do only one reading today and that we now plow through to how do we survive Uranus and Taurus with our land intact, with mm. our um, finances intact. How about that? Does that? Do you guys agree to do that? I'm happy to do so. Sure. Okay. Great. So we're transitioning to our alternate schedule. We will have one client call. At this point, I'm going to lob it, uh, just a nice soft one back at William. So, William, what do we do? Well, it really depends. I mean, I think everyone needs to get a gold position if they have real assets to lose. I am advising baby boomers in particular who are very trust. They have a tremendous level of trust and confidence in their financial advisor who have a good amount of money in stocks and bonds, uh, especially with an overpriced stock market and an extremely overpriced bond market where interest rates are going up and bond prices are going down. And it's not we have an unsustainable level of debt to have a gold position. So it varies from person to person, but I would name, I would recommend – that they look into getting at least a 10 to 15% gold position depending on their age and when they're planning to retire, if they're already retired. That's the first thing. The second thing, if you happen to be self-employed, I would recommend that you start moving towards crypto, having a crypto wallet, a crypto exchange mechanism on your website or within your business to uh, trade, to accept crypto for payment because that is now picking up steam and people are feeling more confident doing that than sticking with PayPal. So those are two things. Um, The other thing I would recommend is uh, it's very important at this time to really begin networking your one skill set, really leveraging with the technology out there um, in a way um, like one has never done before. Uh, The other thing, you know, it's, I would say it really depends from person to person, but um, the, what's really going to be impacted most 
is the uh, bread and butter jobs. They're going to be automated, replaced by AI systems, driving cars. McDonald's are going to be basically replaced that. So those types of by, by robots and you know, by self-serving uh, line um, exit, exit mechanisms on, in shopping centers. So like the staff at Walmart is going to be cut dramatically down. I happen to notice one of my best clients works in Walmart. She, she happens to tell me what's happening. They're automating everything within Walmart soon. It's going to be rolled out. So those type of, you know, uh, yeah, can, can I jump in jobs here? will no longer be there. Yeah, I'm going to jump in were. here. There's a there's a, um, a a video I posted on my Facebook page, and maybe Nagashiva can go grab it. Um, about the grid system of packing groceries, um, grid warehouses, with robots that um, go out over this grid. They can move left, right, back, forth. They're just, they, they do two things. They drive and they dig. These are 16 bins high. They go in, they, they pull the things out. They create packer bins. They then take them to a port. As they do this, they displace the bins outwardly. Then anything that is not asked for sinks to the bottom. And eventually you end up with this 16 high, infinitely wide, long grid. You can add as many robots as you want that will pick and pull things. Now, right now they're at a certain weight level. These are being used for grocery stores and parts like auto parts, small things. They cannot yet, for instance, take a um, a couch or a sofa and use the grid system for that. But you should look at it, um, and please, uh, Nagashiva, please post that um, that beautiful video, because what this is, it it looks very pretty, but it also represents a future that is going to displace probably 90% of um, workers in retail. They will go. They're gone. They're gone. They're, it's, it's all over now. And, um, yes, it's called Inside a Warehouse Where Thousands of Robots Pack Groceries. And the robots have been programmed to have what's called a hive or swarm mind. I kid you not. They use artificial intelligence um, algorithms. I am not kidding. This is the good part of Uranus, the technological part. And all of your brightly colored, beautiful groceries and your food will come to you through, through robots Watch for it. This is also going to happen during this seven-year period. Um, so now, as Nagashiva says, we have to figure out a way to transition to our society to having non-working citizens. And what is a non-working citizen? And what mm-hmm. does a non-working citizen produce? Or are they expendable? Are they going to be put into little bins themselves? Imagine those bins that the groceries are in and imagine people in those bins. Um Interesting idea, kind of creepy. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a fantastic point. Change in the labor force is important. I think it also opens up uh, opportunities, and I think uh, that's important to remember when we talk about this time period. It is a challenging time period, um, but whenever you have these moments of challenge, they also produce great creativity, which is also a time which is also associated with, with uh, Uranus and Taurus, is that there is a time period of creativity and flexibility. If suddenly you have a shift in which a lot of these stable jobs uh, disappear uh, or automated or the rise of AI, as, as William has brought up, um, it also will bring about unintentionally a level of creativity 
in the people who are going to have to find new types of employment, uh, new types of enrichment, and so on and so forth. So being flexible is is an important coping mechanism. And I've always mentioned um, that, and maybe it's the SoCal vibes, but uh, whenever there is some kind of a challenging astrological weather, your best ability is your ability to ride the wave, right? So maybe mm-hmm. that's a little bit of the SoCal in me coming out. Uh, but, you know, being able to be flexible, go with the flow, the harder you cling on to something, the harder you mm-hmm. try to push back against the tide, the more you're going to be kind of buffed by the, the astrological forces. And, and then this differs, right? You should absolutely be getting a natal chart reading, find out how this is going to impact you personally, what's going on in your own chart, find out, uh, build a strategy that is personalized to you. Um, but just from a generalist perspective, knowing how to ride the waves, making the adjustments, making the changes needed, right? If coal jobs are dying out, don't cling to coal, right? That's what, mm-hmm. I, what I'm trying to say is learn, learn to adapt and be creative and go with the flow. And the people who are able to do that will be able to navigate this time period more successfully. Yeah, this is this is valuable advice. Don't cling uh, uh, to um, the Torian, you know, impulse yes. to cling, and that's not going to serve you well. Just looking at um, uh, the the World War II timeline between 1934 and 1942, those people survived best who got out earliest. And I'm speaking here of of um, not only of Jews, of which I am one, my family is one, and they got out fairly early, but mo- most of them. But those who stayed mm-hmm. did not survive. And the same is true of the Roma people and mm-hmm. of, um, all dissidents, including Christian dissidents. You had to you had to be flexible. You had to go. What it is is what it is. Now, this is true on an economic scale. We're not going to predict a war here, although this aspect does have a kind of war like there's been some really creepy wars with these aspects. But we're not going to predict a war. What we're going to say is let's just look at the financial aspect of it. So um, William said that you should take a gold position and you should um, start investigating and working with cryptocurrencies. And he also brought up something interesting, which has to do with your own stage in life. He said if you're a baby boomer, gold may be enough to see you through. You may not need a cryptocurrency. If you're if you're on the verge of retirement or if you've retired, if you're younger, you need to full out get on that ride that wave of the cryptocurrencies because that's where it's going to go. I'm I'm going to um, contradict him just a little bit and say uh, nobody need be rigid just because they're old. And nobody, of course, I have Uranus rising. <laughs> I have Uranus mm. in my ascendant in Gemini. I'm looking forward <laughs> to the <laughs> cryptocurrency revolution. <laughs> um, but um, And I'm just waiting for that. But, but you know, so as Ali just said, look at your own horoscope and see how this is going mm-hmm. to impact or affect you as well. Another thing about Uranus and Taurus I just want to say, which has nothing to do with the global issues, if you are a Taurus, it is a time to be heightenedly aware of accidents. Just saying, um, particularly mm-hmm. if, you're, if it, when Uranus comes around your sun, if there's a bad aspect transiting 
in other words, at the time when Uranus hits your sun, or if you were born with a bad aspect from one of the more malefic planets, such as Mars or Pluto, to your sun, and Uranus hits, you could be in for an accident or a very sudden death through one of those like overwhelming diseases, depending on what the planet would be. So just be careful if you're a Taurus. It's always good to remember Uranus in Taurus is... Um, uh, sudden changes. Now, you may move and all of a sudden move to a wonderful new house that you never knew you were going to move to. So there are good things if your sun is well-aspected. But as Uranus comes over your sun, be aware um, uh, of it. Oh, uh, Nagashiva asked me in the chart, uh, in the ch- chat room, where is Uranus in my <laughs> chart? 17, Gemini. Um, just saying. Or maybe it's 18. It's something, 17 and a half, 18. Um Oh, but but he says anyone's. Oh, he says minus in Leo. That's right. Well, you've got you've got years and years to go before all of this makes sense to you, honey, because uh, it's not a um, a big deal to have um, Uranus in Leo. Well, yeah, you know, uh, at this time it's a few more. Years. Okay. Yeah, I just want to. All right. Oh. Sure. Yeah, I just want to say that uh, on a positive side, Uranus and Taurus to the sun is going to bring a lot of excitement, new people, new opportunities, greater freedom, originality. And it's certainly going to, one is going to be certainly coerced to be more flexible, be more open to big changes in their life. It'll be a very memorable period at the very least. And so it's a time when um, usually any undeveloped or unexpressed talent, skill that is uh, inherent in a person will come out and flourish if a person mm-hmm. uh, is open to um, uh, and that will be the very thing that they will thrive and will help them thrive, not just survive, but thrive through this period. Yeah. That's, that's, that is true. It is exciting to whoever the Uranus comes over you. Just be careful you don't um, you know, well, uh, just to be careful, that's all I'm going to say. You can you can take care of yourself. You know, I'm one of these people who believes that a, a yearly horoscope um, is a very good idea. There have been yes. astrologers, you know, since the 1500s. They just cast your yearly um, uh, chart, and um, it, it's a very valuable thing to do. You can have it done um, uh, by any number of astrologers, as I mentioned before. And you can do it to a certain extent yourself using just sun sign astrology, but you want to get a more full detail. You want to go to an astrologer once a year. It's like getting a checkup with a doctor, right? Am I right? Absolutely true. true. Yeah, yeah. You, I think astrology works best, in my humble opinion, um, when you use it in a, in a, as a as a, a consultant, right? You consult it. And you work with it regularly, and you take advice from it um, once a year, without a doubt. I think is a, is a really st- is a positive step in the right direction. The other thing I want to mention about uh, kind of uh, how to deal with with this time period is, and I go, you know, as Ms. Kat knows, I practice astrology that tends to be more uh, medieval a little bit in its methods. Um, it's just the way Arabic astrology is. It, there hasn't been too many changes with just the addition of the of the outer planets post 18th century or so um, that deal with kind of these longer changes. Uh, but in in reality, uh, you know, medieval. One of the things about medieval astrology is that it recognizes that astrology is deeply tied to spirits. 
Um, and so the astrological spirits are very powerful spirits to work with. Recognize that you're not just working with raw energies or or or, or um, kind of in that regards, but you're also working with intelligences and spirits. So lighting candles, giving intense offerings, uh, invoking the angels uh, of, of the planets, um, as well as the zodiac are all very powerful ways of mitigating any type of challenges. You know, that's, that is um, um, a, a really important thing. And I would say, because we are a practical group here, you might want to uh, also consider things like which gemstones go yeah. with Uranus. And Amulets we and know, talismans. Yes, and we know that copper is the metal of Venus. So just as an example, of course, different people will give you different lists of things that are Uranian uh, gemstones. But one of them that from the more traditional, not too traditional because Uranus is a, a fairly newly discovered planet, is moss agate. Moss agate somehow resonates with Uranus. Um, I have a beautiful pendant uh, made in the form of the planet Uranus with a circle at the bottom. Is a cabochon cut moss agate made by my late uh, uh, father-in-law. And the whole setting is carved in the form of the planet Uranus. And um, and it uh, was carved for me and the whole setting was made for me by my ex-husband. And I find that a very powerful Uranus in Taurus because moss agate is the more Taurian <laughs> aspect of mm. Uranus. Some people also like for Uranus any stone that has been irradiated or coated, such as uh, titanium quartz or, or aura quartz or um, some of these topazes that were irradiated topazes to make them bright blue. Um, because they technologically, especially those that have had electricity or radiation applied to them, um, are gemstones that are, they're not, you know, toxic or, um, you know, radioactive themselves, but they have been treated that way. And a lot of people like those for um, for the use of Uranus. Can you all, because I mean, we, we always used to joke, well, I can't wear uranium. No, you can't. <laughs> but, um uh, I just wanted to mention the metal that is normally associated uh, historically with Uranus since its discovery and development is platinum or platinum alloys. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things people can purchase or they can trade platinum. Platinum is going to be very much in demand over this next seven-year period so people can profit from that. And also the angel that is associated with Uranus or Uranus is Oriel. U-R-I-E-L, Uriel, or Uriel, depending on how you pronounce it. So it's, um, and the month is this uh, 14th day of September, and of course, uh, the the sign or Aquarius is associated. So the tower, the tower card in the tarot, right, has very much to do with change, sudden unexpected change, transformation, right, drastic change is connected with Uranus as well, Uranus and Taurus in particular. Mm-hmm. That's a very important stuff to, to, to mention. And um, uh, just to let you all know, when using um, oils in the occult manner, and I don't necessarily mean by ceremonial magic, but I mean in you know American occult shop, metaphysical shop, folk magic, um, many shops will make a Uriel oil. I certainly do. Uh, they will make a Uranus oil. They will make a Venus oil. 
and they will make a Taurus oil and so forth and so on, Aquarius oil, whatever it might be. And you may blend those oils together to make a fragrance, and then you can use that to dress a talisman or to uh, for you know to wear as a perfume or to burn on candles. If you look in books like the Master Book of Candle Burning or my own book, The Art of Hoodoo Candle Magic, you'll see about making ash candles. And these are candles that are usually one color and then rolled in herbs um, or uh, minerals for one planet or one sign and then half dipped in another color for another sign and also maybe rolled in herbs and minerals for that other sign or other planet. And these astral candles are, are very powerful tools to use when you want to create positive change uh, to remediate um, a, a negative astrological situation. And I'm not going to like you know come up with example after example, but you should look into the concept of astral candles. Now, these are freestanding candles. These are not vigil lights. And so you would be able to roll them in the herbs and in the oils and also make them of the different colors. And usually the second color is not made by trying to uh, pour the candle into a mold half and then another half, but rather just to dip it. Um, however, if you do make coffee can candles, and some of us know what I'm talking about, you can pour them with a series of layers indicating the colors you would want for um, Taurus and the colors you would want for Uranus. You might want to roll them in glitter sparkle because Uranus is very much into rainbow glitter sparkle. And um, and that would be a nice way to make a candle to remediate some of those issues and have that on your altar. Anybody else have any ideas on astrological remediation for Uranus and Taurus? Well, I came up with a nice uh, spell, um, a success jar, an unexpected luck spell for um, this very issue that is brings together both Uranus, Taurus, and uh, all the issues pertaining to money and success. Um, that okay, so we're gonna that's that's gonna be our free spell, right? Yeah, absolutely. Good. Okay. Okay. So we're gonna look forward to I'm that. Lo- I'm looking. So th- I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Great. Okay. So we'll after we do our reading here, William's um, going to be back with um, a free spell for for luck. And that is another thing about Uranus. You just brought up a good word there. Uh, Uranus is associated with sudden strokes of luck. It's not always negative accidents. It can be a fortuitous accident as well. The tree that falls across the road that stops you because if you had driven farther, you would have gotten to the washout and gone over Devil's Slide, okay? Um, So a fortuitous uh, accident can be good for you as well as just drawing in good luck. All right, boy, we've got a lot we've covered here. Um, Someone's going to write a whole book on Uranus and Taurus, and it's going to be fun to read. And I hope it's you, William. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's turn this over to Papa Newt. We're going to do our reading for our client today. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forest Hill, California, and located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org, and by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of missionary independent spiritual churches located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and take our caller. And our first caller, or our 
first and only caller tonight is a first-time caller who's been listening to us since November 17 of last year, I believe, uh, 707 Fairfield, California. This is Tara. Tara, are you there? Yes, I am. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the show, and thank you for allowing us to entrust you with your situation today. And let's take a look at your information here. It looks like you have not had any readings with Ms. Kat, Contraman Ali, or any other readers and rubrics on this situation. Is that correct? Yes. Thank you. And you're right. I have been passed up for a promotion three times. Do I have a cross condition? I have tried a crown of success digital candle, wearing the oil along with an attraction mojo fixed for that purpose. Turn it back to you, Ms. Kat. All right. Um, so, Tara, um, what is your sign of the zodiac? I am a Pisces with Scorpio moon and Sagittarius rising. Okay. Pisces with a Scorpio moon and Sagittarius rising. Okay. Um, so, Pisces is a sign that is fairly gentle and um and is able to um, sometimes see things. And so I would say that if you believe you may have been crossed, um, I would say that there's a a higher-than-likely possibility for that because I do know many Pisces are actually psychic. And they're not paranoid. They they really are psychic. So let's take a look at it. Um, May I also ask what the field is that you work in? I'm in the military. I'm Air Force. In the military. Well, now there is something interesting, too, because Pisces is not a notably military sign. And um, I'm going to investigate that, too, um, just to see um, if, you know, what we got here. Okay. So I'm going to pull three cards. And the first card I have here is a card that does indicate that there is some action has been taken against you. Whether we could call it crossed conditions at this point with the first card, I'm going to say more like a tying and binding because the card is the hanged man. And the hanged man is a, a person who's been basically taken out, had their hands tied behind their back, and they've been hung upside down by their foot. It's not a card of a lynching. It's really just a card of restraining somebody and putting them in a very uncomfortable position. But they are innocent. They haven't done anything to deserve this. They have a halo around their head, and they are hung upside down. Now, the best thing you can say about the hangman is sometimes if you look at things upside down and from a different attitude, you might figure out, how to get out of this, but the bad thing about this card, the hangman, is because his hands are tied behind his back, he cannot save himself. You may need a helper, and I don't necessarily mean an expensive root doctor, but you may need some kind of a helper. It could be anything mundane, like a career counselor, or it could be a root doctor if you're interested in working at a magical level, but you will not be able to free yourself from this, and we know that this guy did not tie himself up. So rather than saying that someone is trying to, like, you know, attack you or whatever, I'm going to say, for starters, that someone has tried to restrain you, okay? Card number two is a pretty negative card. It is the the Seven of Swords, and this is a card of gossip and lies. So this is a card of someone who is jealous and is basically flat out telling tales on you, lying about you, and trying to take what you might have gained, 
It is a card that takes place with knights in the background, so it does have a slight military connection. The person who's doing the lying, however, um, may not themselves be a great noble warrior. They may just be a thief trying to steal your glory. It's a very bad card, and it indicates, and I don't mean to make you paranoid, it indicates more that gossip has been done, that you have been subjected to um, negative tale-telling, but it, again, is not a stab through the heart. It's not someone sticking pins into a, a little doll, but it says that you do have um, around you someone who wants what you could have, someone who wants to take, and someone who is a very bad gossip. Okay, That person is telling tales on you that may have hindered your promotion. The third card is a a card that is a good card, um, but not a very good card for advance, but it is a good card for protection. It's the Queen of Wands, and this is a woman who is optimistic. She is out in the desert, and she sits on a throne. She has um, a a throne with lions on it. She holds a, a, a sunflower of optimism. In front of her is a little black cat. So the lions represent her power by day, and the black cat represents her protection by night. And the desert sands are golden on one side, representing day, silver on the other side, representing night. And she is dressed in a garment of gold dress with a silver cloak. So again, she works by day and by night. You need more protection, but you are also well able to protect yourself. You first have to clear this thing away, but you will need protection, and you should, um, I would say there you will need a helper, okay? So that's pretty much how I see it. Um, I would also say that um, you would do well to work with herbs. She has a um, a crown on her head with herbs twined in it. She has a wand or staff with leaves um, bursting in, you know, to growth. And this is natural um, healing. It also can mean candles because um, the wand represents fire and the sunflower is also a fiery thing and so is Leo and so forth. So you might want to um, do some candle magic. But again, what I'm seeing here is a real problem with a negative backbiting going on around you. Now, one of the things about the Seven of Swords, when I see that, I think particularly of Psalms 37 to be recited against the workers of evil. And um, it means you're not going to be in a head-on fight with anyone. Um, It's not that kind of a thing. But you need to um, clear away from people who may be carrying uh, negative ideation about you. Right now, you are tied and bound. It has the potential to improve. Okay? So that is uh, my reading on this subject. Um, Let me turn this over to um, uh, William and see what he has to say. Thank you. Yeah, so when I look at the horary here, it's indicating a number of things. Your significator, Mercury, is conjunct Saturn, which is um, considered a great malefic. So at the time you asked the question, I noted here. And basically, this is a period where you need to proceed with considerable caution. It's a time, uh, both good and difficult in its effects, to really assess what you're doing with your life. It generally correlates with a time of Minor setbacks, um, uh, a mountain of molehills, uh, a field of brambles, 
it's a period where we often have a uh, crisis in confidence. It's a time when um, we have to <clears throat> be very clear. We're not able. It's very. It's, it's very hard for us to distinguish the forest from the trees, and this really extends to our attitudes as well to others. And so it's um, um, it's a tendency where we tend to be a little bit more pessimistic. We tend to concentrate more on people's negative characteristics and overlook some of the positive things about our situation and others. Uh, so there's a tendency to be a little bit warped in our thinking. We're not creative enough. We're not courageous enough in terms of taking the action or having the vision necessary. We don't feel very attractive. We don't believe in ourselves. We don't have the energy we once took for granted. Uh, it's very difficult for us to shake off the blues. We're not very gung-ho about life. And these are all the things that, you know, Kat was referring to with the uh, Queen of Wands. But those are the things that need to be embraced, cultivated, um, and uh, ultimately uh, uh, ultimately, that's what you need to be able to seek. Um, now, obviously, Saturn has to do with crossing or cursing, and it certainly indicates that you've been set up to lose in some strange way. Uh, it could be because of the job role or what you're doing uh, is not really appropriate for you. You're not in the correct role, so you're being set up to lose. You sort of know that. You've certainly made certain compromises uh, over the past seven months in particular when something changed in what you were doing and really sort of put you in a compromised situation which is very difficult to get out of. So, um, you know, obviously I'm going to leave this spell work recommendation to Conjurman Ali. He is an astrologer. I think he can intuit exactly where this needs to go. But um, thinking of, of any type of spell work which would involve Van Van, right, uh, to clear out the um, cross conditions and bring in uh, – new opportunities, and certainly clean the slate. Also, that you have to be a little bit more honest with yourself, and you need to get some clarity on what you really want, all right, because you're living day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, and it's, you're not getting the traction. Because you're not getting the traction, you're feeling more and more depressed. So there needs to be some type of revision or reform in terms of your thinking, in terms of what you want. And it's, you don't have clarity on that. So... It's a time to reinvest in yourself, not allow other people's opinions, right, determine who you are. That's ultimately the message I'm seeing. Wonderful. All right. And I I second that notion about Van Van being good with the Queen Mm -hmm. of Wands. Just the colors alone speak to me about that one. Um, So let's turn this over to Ollie. What we've seen here is um, there may be a need to actually reassess what you're doing. In other words, it it may not – you have been tied and bound, but there may be another way around this, uh, what William called the Mountain of Molehills. Okay, Ali, what do you have to say? Yeah, I, I think you have some fantastic readings by William and Ms. Kat, and um, my root work recommendation is based off of the only thing I have to add is that um, the the jinx and and the kind of betrayal and the, the gossip, the gossip in particular came very strongly with me uh, in my own reading, and the only thing I can add is say that this is an older female, or this is a, someone close to you is what I meant to say, um, who might be a little bit older than you. So just be aware of that, that this is not coming from afar. It's not like some type of abstract 
competition or or some enemy that's been watching you. It's actually someone really close, so it could be within the circle of friends or associates. Um, mm-hmm. At the very minimum, it's someone you definitely know. Um, but so be aware of that, that, that that's the case. Now, Ms. Kat indicated that you're probably going to need a little bit of help, um, so I do recommend working with a root worker in this case who can guide you step-by-step on what you need to do. But I will give you some recommendations um, that you can start immediately until you get a root worker to assist you with this matter. Um, someone who who uh, can take a closer look at your case and see what direction you need to go in, and more importantly, consult you um, in a more long-term basis. Um, because I do sense that this is more than just doing a little bit of uncrossing work, protection work, and moving on. You need to do some real strong rethinking of life decisions, rethinking of the environment you're in. Um, For example, you need to ask yourself if this is the career path you need to be on, another career path, or some other aspect of where you are in the military. Uh, Ms. Kat alluded to this. Pisces and military don't always work well together, but that doesn't mean they can't uh, work in the military. You just have to find what works best for you. Um, and so a, a, a long-term reader and worker is something to, to seriously consider here. So what I want you to do is start off with some bathing work that really does a great job of removing anything that's been placed on you. You can also use this in your property. Now, I don't know what your living conditions are. Are you in a barracks? Are you, do you have your own apartment or your own place? Um, I, I have my you, own place. Okay, great. So if you have your own place, then then what you should do is you should start off actually with a house cleansing. Um, And particularly because things like this have a tendency to stick. Um, And when I say stick, I don't mean it metaphorically. I mean that quite literally. The evil eye has a sticky component to it. Um, It's uh, dry and sticky if we were to talk about it kind of energetically. It dries things up and it clings. Um, So what I want you to do is take bay rue, agrimony, basil, and slippery elm, and brew this into a tea. Bay is to remove all evil, but also to bring in clarity, as uh, William pointed out. Rue and agrimony is to break jinxes, evil eyes, cross conditions. Basil is to bring serenity and uh, clear mind, um, while ensuring that no evil comes into the place. And slippery elm is to uh, break any type of the, the evils of the wagging tongue, as I call it. You brew this into a tea. You're going to drop a couple drops of uncrossing oil and van-van oil into that tea. Get yourself a brand new knife, and you're going to take the knife, and you're going to cut apart the oil at the top. So you're symbolically dipping that knife into the little oil bubbles, oil clumps at the top, and you're going to kind of cut them apart, making an X. As many of those kind of oils, oil, oil drops that you can get, the oil comes right to the top. And you're going to cut apart with your knife. This is a, a way of breaking the evil eye. It's an uh, old Italian method. Of, it of sure is. Oil. Yeah, very old uh, Italian method of cutting the evil eye, and it works wonderfully. So you set aside that knife for a bit. Once you've cut apart the, the, the oils, uh, or some people stab, I actually like cutting with a cross, but you can also stab into them. You like stabbing in little eye drops. Um, you're going to take this and you're going to wash your house from uh, back to front, top to bottom. Wash it all out, nice and clean. 
okay? And it, this is the tea with the uncrossing and the van van. It smells great, all right? It's got a nice uplifting, both uncrossing and van van oil, a nice uplifting scent. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be great. You're going to wash your house top to bottom, back to front. You're going to wash it all out your front door. Take this used bath water and dispose of it as a crossroad without looking back. Come back home. You're going to remake that, whatever, as I mentioned, bay, rue, agrimony, basil, slippery elm, a little bit of uncrossing oil, a little bit of van van oil. Again, take your knife, cut apart the oil until you've broken apart. Then you're going to take this tea and you're going to bathe yourself in it for seven days. Seven days you're going to wash yourself in this tea, cleansing yourself letting yourself air dry every single time, and gathering the used bath water. Dispose of the bath water at the crossroads, as mentioned that you did with the, with the floor wash. Then, on that seventh day, take the knife that you have been breaking apart the evil eye with, anoint it with Van Van Oil, light yourself some fiery wall of protection incense, Smoke it in the incense as you recite Psalm 91. Take the knife onto your front property. So if you have a front yard, if you don't have a front yard, or whatever type of uh, a walkway, if there's any type of bushes, you can do this there. Or in a plant planter if you don't have it. You're going to stab the knife and bury it with the blade facing away from your property. This is to cut any evil that is sent your way. You're going to bury it facing away from the house. Again, put in the planters, the walkway, uh, bushes, front yard. Or if you don't have any of that, you can buy a little plant, stab it into that facing away from you. Finally, what I want you to do is every day when you get up, I want you to spend a little bit of time before you go out taking slippery elm, burning it to ash as you recite Psalm 91, taking that ash and then putting it as a cross on your shoes, especially your work shoes. When you go out, you put on your boots, you put on, you put a little mm-hmm. bit of that ash on your shoes. This will allow you to navigate your work situation without having the evils of gossip and rumor and wagging tongue and an evil eye stick to you. It allows you to kind of slip through it all without any of it clinging on to you. This is a very good ongoing protection work that you can do. You can do it once a week, but for at least um, immediately after after this work, you should be doing it daily until you see a, a kind of change, and then you can go to once a week, uh, burning it to ash and anointing yourself. In addition to this, you work with the root workers, see what you can do about um, your career prospects, uh, some choices you need to make, um, even even opportunities for promotion. You're going to have to work a little bit more with the root worker. But this is my recommendation, a kind of three-part approach, cleaning the house, cleaning yourself, setting up protection for the house, and setting up protection for yourself. Wow. Boy, that was really thorough, Ali. <laughs> and... Um, and and uh, wow, I can't even add anything to that. That was super good. Um, I would say that again, we did all see that you probably should get a root worker to help guide you. You can get a consultation root worker or have someone to do some additional work for you. All right, let's turn it over to the other realm. 
The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Condraman Ollie, Sundays 3 to 4.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6, and the Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays 6 to 7. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spill segment with William Stick Evers of williamstickevers.com in Las Vegas, Nevada. Take it away, William. Okay, everybody. So. Now that we understand what Uranus and Taurus is likely to bring in the forthcoming years, we can mitigate many of its effects and reverse um, the impact And through a spell that I come up with. Unexpected luck, surprising success, and personal breakthrough jaw for attracting luck, success, glory, and riches in uncertain economic times. And this hoodoo spell will help galvanize your seven-year period while Uranus is going through Taurus between now and 2025, 2026. And this is what you're going to need. You're going to need a glass jar with a metal screw top lid, crown of success soil, Uranus oil, Taurus oil, ace of diamonds playing card, five-finger grass, bay leaves, gravel root, alfalfa, deer's tongue, bay leaf, cinnamon, and red thread. First, you're going to clean your jar properly, wash it, and wipe it out with a little Florida water. Next, you're going, in order to invoke unexpected changes in your money, investments, career, and overall life circumstances, you want to get an ace of diamonds from a new deck of cards, some Uranus oil, Taurus oil, and some small lodestone, magnetic sand, and a red-colored thread. On Friday at 11.30 a.m., at the time and hour of Venus, on the day of Venus, time of Venus, as the hands of the clock are rising towards noon, take an ace of diamonds right across the top, unexpected luck and success on both sides on the edges of the card. Dress the card with Uranus oil and with Taurus oil in a five-spot process using the center diamond as the center of the five-spot. Place the card with the lodestone, right, place the card. So you're going to take the diamonds, you're going to put a lodestone, right, at the center of the card. You're going to dress the lodestone with magnetic sand and a drop of crown of success oil. And then you're going to bind the lodestone as best as you can by wrapping the red thread over the lodestone where it's placed on the card by circling them over and over, tying the thread finally with seven knots. Then you're going to place the ace of diamonds that is now enmeshed with the red thread, with the lodestone, into the glass success, unexpected success and luck jar. Then you're going to add the following to the jar. Five-finger grass to give you success in all activities that five fingers can perform, especially with work. Bay leaves to avoid being sued or stopped or interfered by any problematic or unwanted people or any pro- uh, potentially problematic economic situations. Um, some gravel root to give you control over your overall life situation 
particularly with your finances and jobs, and cinnamon to rapidly attract good luck and money, along with alfalfa to prevent financial troubles and attract steady work. Finally, you're going to add deer's tongue, which grants eloquence and convincing speech in all matters of business and helping you make very important decisions on a day-to-day level with your business, with your work, all right? After that, close the jar and shake it while reciting Daniel 34, my kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and my dominion endureth from age to age. Finally, shake the jar one last time, envisioning unexpected good fortune and success over the forthcoming seven years. Then close the ritual out by reciting the 23rd Psalm. Every day, shake the jar and recite the 23rd Psalm and envision your coming good fortune and unprecedented success during these uncertain times. Over time, you can add to the jar petitions, goals, cards, pictures, people and things that can help you, people that can mentor you, logos of companies you want to work with or work for. And you can add talismans to it. You can add anointed money. But remember, as you add something to the jar, shake it up, call it out for your success, call it out for your good fortune, call it out with confidence, knowing that it is already on its way. And the more you work with this jar over the next seven years, the more you'll be able to mitigate and not only survive, but thrive through this Uranus Taurus period. Wow, a seven-year jar, folks. A seven-year jar. Wow. That's impressive. <laughs> that is impressive as heck. <laughs> wow. Yeah, the longest now, type of jar I've ever seen was some type of court case where this is just this blows it out of the water. This yeah, this one blows the court case one out of the water. You're absolutely right. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you, William. Um, would it be a miss because a lot of people like to burn little candles on their jars? Would it be a miss to be burning a little uh, chime candle or something on top of this jar when you had a special need? Absolutely, I totally agree with that. I think that would galvanize and intensify the effect of the jar. But I think it's necessary and important to shake that jar. And what I like about mm-hmm. jars is that if you want to take it, uh, if you're on a trip somewhere, you can take that jar with you in a suitcase. You can shake it up every day. You, you don't need to use a candle. You don't need to use incense. There's places where, especially if you're very mobile, that you cannot, you know, light a candle or use incense. Or like, say, for example, if you're living and working out of a hotel room, especially with Uranus and Taurus, you're going to, many people are going to be in uh, in motion, mobile. They'll be in transit. Mm. There's going to be a lot of upheaval. So staying in one place for too long is not really going to be the status quo. And that's where I think, the jar comes in because the magical effect is enhanced and um, reinforced through the shaking process. All right. Um, we have a question from the from the uh, from a, um, peanut gallery here. Um, is it Daniel uh, thirty four or Daniel three four? Right. In other words, I, I think it's Daniel Daniel uh, Daniel four dot three four. Daniel four dot three four. Okay, three and four. Okay, let's give that a try and see if that comes out right. The, the um, first, the whole mm-hmm. verse starts with, "I Nebuchadnezzar raised my eyes towards heaven, and my sanity was restored." Then I praise the most. I know this verse very familiarly, as you can tell. Well, I, I, I see. 
Yeah, Daniel 4, 3 begins, How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders, his kingdom, his eternal kingdom, his dominion endures from generation to generation. Yeah. I'm I'm at a, a bit of a loss here. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I'll, uh, okay. What was the quote that you said that you gave from it? Yeah, the quote that I said, I'll repeat that, it is, My kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and my dominion endureth from age to age. That's generation generation. Yeah, yeah. That's Daniel 4, 3, I believe. Maybe not. Okay. But I think that's, okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Yay. Okay. I'll look it um, up right now. Oh, that Bible, you know, it just drives us all nuts. Yeah, um, well, it's chapter 4, verse 34. Okay. All righty. Um, okay. Well, I want to thank you, William. This was an enlightening and fun show for me. Um, there is so much to say and do about astrology. Uh, folks, if you guys don't know it, William does regular um, Facebook Live and YouTube broadcasts about astrology. Can you tell us just really brief about those? Yeah, I basically try and speak about what's ongoing and current through the Facebook Live and through my YouTube, giving people information on helping them, especially during this period of transition crisis that we're currently in. All righty. Well, you can uh, look up William Stick Evers at his website and be sure to tune in to his uh, programs because they are very interesting, very enlightening on the subject of astrology. All righty. Well, um, I'm going to turn this over to Papa Newt. He's going to make our final announcements, and then we can all come back and say goodbye in our own happy ways. Take it away, thank Papa you, Newt. Cat. Thank you, Ms. Gadd and Contraband Ali, and thank you, William Stickeppers of WilliamStickeppers.com in Las Vegas, in Las Vegas California, uh, Nevada, uh, for being our guest this week. <laughs> we invite you to join us next week when our special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Rootworkers will be Mama E of CountryDoctor.com in Los Angeles, California, bringing us the topic on Rose, the Queen of Flowers. Once again, we come to an end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find this cat via the Lucky Mojo form at form.luckymojo.com and Contraband Ali at thecontraband.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Papa Newt, joining you from PapaNewt.com in Omaha, Nebraska. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rubric Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 6 p.m. Eastern, uh, 3 p.m. Pacific, and the shows are available and archived via luckymojo.com slash radioshow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to say thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you'll hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jugman playing the Jugman Vault. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you, Papa Newt. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone.